How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building tonight? And I want to ask you to join me, if you will, in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 18 tonight. The book of Acts, chapter 18. I have an old Scofield Bible. If you have one, that's page number 1174, or the book of Acts, chapter 18. Now, of course, that's the fifth book in the New Testament. And we'll be in chapter 18. I'd like to read some verses here, and then I'll ask you to leave your Bibles open and follow me along. Uh, this week, this coming Tuesday night, will be Hope for Hurting Parents at 7 o'clock. And if you know somebody here that's really going through it right now because of some of the choices and the decisions of their children, and by the way, there are a lot of hurting parents in our world tonight. You know, when you read through the four Gospels, you can't help but just notice how many hurting parents came to Jesus, just come up to him. For instance, they were singing about it a moment ago, Jairus' daughter, and, or the, the, uh, Jaira and his wife over their daughter, and, and then the Syrophoenician woman. I mean, it's all throughout the four Gospels. Jesus was always attracting people, uh, hurting people because of what their children were doing. I think about in Mark chapter 9 about that incident where that guy kept throwing himself in the fire and kept trying to drown himself in the waters because he was possessed with an unclean spirit. And that daddy came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, if thou canst do anything, have mercy. By the way, he just didn't know who he was talking to, did he? And Jesus can do anything. Amen. But anyway, uh, he had the ability. Jesus was always attracting people uh, because hurting people, hurting parents because of what their children were doing. And so if you know somebody who's hurting, maybe you work with them and their kids are breaking their heart or whatever, encourage them to be here this coming Tuesday night at 7 for Hope for Hurting Parents at 7 o'clock. This is not for the children. This is for the parents to try to be a blessing and an encouragement to them. And then I want to thank the Lord for the good day that we had on our buses today, a good job, a good day. You know, a lot of kids are gone in the summertime and uh, they go spend summer with their dad because of split families or as the case may be or whatever. But, uh, boy, we, our bus workers did a good job. And I praise the Lord for all of those who rode the buses today. And then, of course, it takes a lot of folks to take care of those people when they get here. And uh, so for all of you that worked in the children's churches and fed uh, the meal today for our uh, bus workers, thank, uh, riders, thank you so much for what you did. And then thank God for the nursery workers. Amen. I tell you what, bless their heart. Thank God for the nursery workers. Some of the most overlooked, underpaid, unrecognized people in the church is the nursery workers. Uh, if they turned that crowd loose on us, uh, I mean, it'd be a sight what would happen here. So thank God for the nursery workers. Appreciate all the hard work that went into today. Let's read now Acts chapter 18. And I want to begin reading with verse number 4. And we're speaking here about the Apostle Paul, if you'll hang on for just a minute. And I want to share something with you that I find in this text tonight. Look at verse 4. And he, Paul, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Now, if you'll look back up to verse number 1, we know that Paul has now come. He's on his second missionary journey, and he's come to the city of Corinth. And the Bible said in verse number 4 that he went to the synagogue. One of the reasons that he went to the synagogue is because he could always knew he could always find a crowd there. And, of course, synagogues were where the Jews met and of the Greek proselytes, the Gentile proselytes. So he knew at least they had a basic knowledge, an Old Testament background of what he was, what he was preaching about, the gospel. And so he went there, and the Bible said he persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Verse 5, And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit, and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. 
So he's preaching the gospel. Verse 6, And when they opposed themselves, so these Corinthian people and these believers in, or these, these Jewish people in the synagogue opposed themselves and they blasphemed. So man, they're not only rejecting the message, but they're actually vocally, they're vocally rejecting the message. They blaspheme. The Bible said he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth, I'll go into the Gentiles. And he departed thence. And by the way, thank you, Brother Vic. Thank God he went to the Gentiles. Boy, if he hadn't, what a mess we'd have been in tonight. Amen. The Bible said he went to the Gentiles. Verse 7, he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard or was right next door to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. Isn't that a blessing? You won't get them all, but thank God you'll get some of them. And the Bible said, old Crispus, I mean one of the dignitaries, one of the chief cogs in the synagogue, got saved and his whole family. And the Bible said, and many of them low-down Corinthians here and believe. Isn't that a sight? God will save a bunch of Corinthians. And the Bible said, and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he, Paul, continued there a year and six months teaching the Word of God among them. Now tonight I want to preach on this thought tonight. I want to preach on hanging on when you want to hang it up. Hanging on when you want to hang it up. Anybody in here tonight feel like hanging it up? Anybody in here maybe a little bit discouraged, a little bit defeated tonight? The devil's maybe jumped up on your shoulder and said, Hey, why don't you just give up? Why don't you just quit? Well, there's a word for us in this text tonight that I want to share from the Bible. Let's pray. Father, bless your word. Help us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to this text tonight, I, I want to tell you that right up front that I believe that the Apostle Paul, as of our text, is in trouble. The reason that I say that is I think that his spiritual tank is on empty. I think that uh, the little light has already come on in the dashboard indicating that if something doesn't get put in the tank, uh, things are just going to shut down and shut off. I think Paul is in trouble. The reason I say that is because in our text tonight, according to verse 9 and verse number 10, the Lord shows up with a special message for the Apostle Paul. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this tonight. You probably had. But if you move through the book of Acts, you'll find that the Lord periodically shows up in the book of Acts with a special message in a, in a time of trouble in the life of the Apostle Paul. I'm reminded now of Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas was at Philippi. You know the story. They'd cast the demon, possessed uh, the demon out of this little girl and and uh, she had gotten saved, and the rulers of, over her, those who were making money off of her, were upset and had Paul and Silas thrown into jail. And they'd not only been thrown into jail, but they'd been beaten that night. And I think Paul is in trouble at Philippi, but you know the Lord showed up while he was in jail that night. 
and he came, and the Bible said that uh, the jail started rocking and quaking. And the first thing you know, the old jailer gets saved. But the Lord showed up in that midnight hour. And at midnight, Paul and Silas sang and sang, prayed and sang praises unto God. It was at the midnight hour when God showed up and encouraged the heart of Over in Acts chapter 23, Paul is in jail again. He's waiting. He's waiting. Uh, to be sent to Rome. He's been thrown into jail. In Acts chapter 23 and verse number 11, it's at midnight once again. And the Bible said at midnight, the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Paul, be of good cheer. Paul, for thou hast testified me of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. He's in jail again. He's in trouble. Maybe at a low point in his life, and the Lord shows up at, at the midnight hour with a message for his, his troubled preacher. I'm reminded over in Acts chapter 27 that he's on a voyage and they, they pushed away from shore and they're on their way to Rome. And the Bible said they get in this terrible storm called Eurocladon. And for 14 days they don't see the sun, the moon, or the stars. And I mean that little boat, that boat's being tossed like a cork on those Mediterranean waters. And it looks like all is going to be lost. But the Bible said that the Lord showed up with a message for Paul in the midst of that storm. And God encouraged his preacher in a time of great trouble. Now in our text tonight in Acts chapter 18, we have another one of those, I want to call it one, one of those midnight messages for the Apostle Paul because he is in trouble once again. Let me tell you what I really think is happening here, and I can almost prove this beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I really think in our text tonight, Paul is on the verge of throwing up his hands and quitting. And I'm going to prove that in a moment, but I think, he, I think he's discouraged. I, I think he's, he's disappointed, and I think he's at the point that he's willing, as we would say, to throw in the proverbial towel and just say, man, forget it. I think I'll just go back to Tarsus. I'm done with this. These people don't want to hear. And I'm fed up with trying to tell a bunch of people that don't want to listen to me. I think he's at a point of great discouragement in his life. And I just want to give you three reasons why I believe that. And I'll give you the message and we'll go to the house. First of all, I think, number one, as we approach this text, number one, Paul feels like a failure. There's the failure factor. Now, if you look back in Acts chapter 18 and verse 1, the Bible said after these things, Paul departed from Athens. Now, that's important as we build up to this text because we find that Paul has just left the, the city of Athens. Now, the one thing that we know about Paul by following him through the book of Acts is that wherever he went, whatever city it was, there was always left behind in his wake, in his coming. There was always a thriving church left behind a soul-winning church, a, a Jesus-loving church, a, a spirit-filled church, a doctrinally straight church. Everywhere Paul went, there was a great church left behind. When he went to the province of Galatia, Iconium, and Lystra, and Derby, we have a book in our Bible called the Book of Galatians because when he left there, there were some, chur some churches started in the area. Some people had gotten saved. and Boy, Paul had been successful in the area of Galatia. 
when he went to Philippi. We know that there's a book of Philippians in our Bible, and we know that there was a good church started there because the jailer and the teller and the seller got saved. And boy, there was a great church started in the city of Philippi, and we have evidence of that because we have in our Bible a book called the book of Philippians. We know that when Paul went to the, uh, to the town of Thessalonica, and he went there and he preached the Word of God. There was a church started there because we have two books in our Bible called First and Second Thessalonians, a church that was looking for the second coming of Jesus and they were winning souls and sounding out the Word of God. A successful church had been started. But nowhere in our New Testament do we read of a book of Athens. There's no such thing in the, in the New Testament as a book of Athens. You know why? Because when Paul went there, he was met with great opposition. He was met with great skepticism, cynicism. There were all kind of gods in the city of Athens, and he went there and he preached the Word of God, but very little happened while he was in the city of Athens. There was no thriving church started. We have no record in our New Testament of a church in Athens. I mean, man, when he left there, no doubt he was a little bit disappointed, a little bit discouraged because he hadn't seen the same results that he had seen in other areas. And by the way, can I stop and say this? There, if there's one thing we all like to see, it's results. I mean, I don't like to labor and not see results. I don't like, it bothers me when you preach and nobody walks the aisle. It bothers us when we have services and one or two or nobody gets baptized. We like results. We base the hand of God on results. I'm not saying that's right, but I am saying that's just the way it works. Buddy, when we see results, we think, man, God was with us today. God used us. But I'm persuaded to believe that sometimes maybe the greatest times God's with us is when we don't see anything happening because you never know what's going on in the pew, do you? But I think, he's, I think he feels like a failure because he's left the city of Athens. Not much happened. So there's the failure factor. Number two, can I say this? There was the fatigue factor. The fatigue factor. What I mean by that, if you look back in verse number 1, Paul finally arrives in the city of Corinth. And the Word of God said there in verse number 3 that he started making tents while he was there in the city of Corinth. So you've got to understand this now. He comes there. His whole thrust is to win people to God, to see people saved, to baptize converts, and to start a church. But because he has to have money to live, and he doesn't have enough support from the churches. He has to go to work manually, working with his hands, making tents. So I can see by day he works with his hands, and by night he works with his heart. By day he's, he's knitting and sewing tents, and by night he's knocking on doors. And every Sabbath day and every day he gets opportunity, he's on the street corner or he's in the synagogue and he's passing out tracts and he's preaching the Word of God and he's inviting people to come to Jesus. And I will tell you something, over a, a, a period of time, that'd wear you down just a little bit, wouldn't it? You know, I thank God that our church is able to support a full-time preacher. 
It'd be very difficult to try to pastor a church of our size and have to work a public job. If not above it, if we ever get to the place that uh, we can't do that and, and uh, all that, I'll go get a job, I'll go back cutting meat again or whatever, mowing yards, picking up trash, pop bottles on the side of the road, whatever it takes. But if a church can, thank God for churches who do, support their pastors financially where they can, they can devote their time to the work of God. Thank you for doing that. That wasn't the case in the city of Corinth. I imagine the Apostle Paul's days were 48 hours long and there were 10 days in every week. And you've got to know that man of God giving his heart to the work of God and his hands to trying to support himself physically. You had to know that he grew tired in body. And somebody once said that our body and our soul and our spirit live so close together that they have a tendency to catch one another's diseases. And when you get run down in body, it's a little bit easy to get run down in spirit and in soul. Amen. When you get run down in spirit, it's a little bit easy to get run down in a body. So I think he's in trouble, but not, not only because of the failure factor and the fatigue factor, I think he's in trouble because of the frustration factor. You say, what happened? Well, look what happened when he comes to Corinth now. I can see it when he gets there and there says that sign. It says city, uh, uh, Corinth City Limits. He's just left Athens and he thinks, it'll be better here. I'll do better here. It'll be all right here. This crowd's not as intellectual as that crowd over there in Athens. They don't have a God for every day of the week and every season of the year and every aspect of life. I'll do good here. And yet the Word of God said that when he got here, according to verse number 6, they opposed the message and they blasphemed the Word of God that Paul was preaching. At least initially, it's no better in Corinth than it was back in the city of Athens. It's the same old song. It's the second stanza, and it's still off-key. People are still opposing and still resist, resisting. You've got to know he's frustrated. I mean, here's a guy that's, that's used to seeing results. Here's a guy that's used to seeing people get, get saved, and yet he comes here, preaches the Word of God, and he's met, once again, with great opposition and great resistance to the message that he is preaching. Again, we like to see results. I love to see people walk down the aisle. I love to see people get in the baptistry. I love to see people start showing up at churches. It encourages my heart tremendously. But the truth of the matter is, it don't always work like that. And it's in those periods of time Brother, when it ain't working like it's supposed to work, that there's a tendency to say, well, I'm done here. I think I'm moving on to the next town. And I believe with all of my heart that is where the Apostle Paul is at. But in that midnight hour, I mean, when he was ready to quit, when he was ready to hang it up, maybe head back home to Tarsus, the Lord showed up. And in this text tonight, I want to show you this, and we're done. I want to show you how to hang on when you want to hang up. Really. Is there anybody in here tonight? Don't, don't wave your hand, please. Don't say amen. Maybe say it silently in your heart. Does anybody in here feel like hanging it up? Is there anybody in here feel like throwing in the towel? Has anybody in here say, I've had enough, this ain't working? Has the devil ever told you, you missed the call of God, you missed the will of God? Has the devil ever jumped up on your shoulder and said, if I was you, I'd just give it up? And quit. Has he ever told you that? I'll tell you, he's told me that, let's see, uh, yesterday as a matter of fact. And he 
told me that again today. And he'll probably tell me that coming down the road in the morning. You'd be better off, boy, if you'd go back to, go back to the grocery store. You'd be better off quitting that, quit, quitting that preaching business because ain't nothing else going to happen no more. Well, I'll tell you something. If you ever felt like that, you're in pretty good company because I feel like Paul felt like that. But I want to show you what he did in this text. Just stay with me. I want to show you three things he did to help him to hang on when he wanted to hang it up. First of all, number one, look at, the, look at these verses here, verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. Let me say this. Number one, when you want to hang it up, here's a good way to hang on. Seek out some good friends. Seek out some good friends. Now look at verse 1. He came to the city of Corinth. And the Bible said that he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and, he, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for by their occupation. They were tent makers. So Paul comes to Corinth. And by the way, it, it looks like Verse 5, Silas and Timotheus haven't got there yet, so Paul is there by himself. And he's walking around. You've got to understand, Corinth is a wicked and an ungodly place. I don't know, and don't be mad at me here, but I don't know why anybody would want to name their church Corinth Baptist Church. I mean, when you understand some of the wickedness, let me just, I can sum it all up in just one statement. Paul wrote the book of Romans from the city of Corinth. You know, in that chapter 1, when he's talking about men with men and women with women and leaving the natural use of the opposite sex, burning in their lust, toward, most people think Paul could just pull his tent flat back, look out on the streets of the city of Corinth, and all of that was going on right there in the streets of the city. It was a wicked place. Right outside the city of Corinth, on the Areopagus, on the hill outside of the city of Corinth, there was a, te a temple erected to Epaphroditus, the, the Roman sex goddess. And every night, a thousand of those prostitutes, male and female, would leave that temple and come down into the city of Corinth and ply their trade upon the, the people of the city of Corinth. And the wickedness and the ungodliness was unbelievable. And here comes a Baptist preacher into all that sewage. One man by himself in a city of perhaps three times the size, 700,000 people, three times the size of our own city. And here comes one Baptist preacher into that area. What good is one against a crowd like that? So he's walking around. Maybe he's a little bit overwhelmed by what he's seeing. Maybe he says to himself, I've never saw this magnitude of wickedness. I've never saw this magnitude of, of, this, of the city that he was in. And he begins to think to himself, if I could just find me some good friends to fellowship with and to yoke up with and to communicate with. And the Bible said, I can just see him. He, he turns down one street. I mean, down there at the end of the street, there's a glass front window, and it says Aquila and Priscilla Tentmakers International, and it's got a fish in the window. And Paul says, good night. And he walks in, strikes up a conversation, and guess what? He meets the same kind of people that he is. I mean, he meets people of the same character, of the same quality that he is. In fact, the Bible said there in verse number 3 that they were of the same trade. So they've already got something in common because they, they, they know about making tents. And they're of the same trade. But I'll tell you even better, they're of the same testimony. 
Amen. They're of the same, they're cut out of the same mold. I'm talking about Aquila and Priscilla. Are cut out of the same mold that the Apostle Paul is cut out of. Look at some of the things that we're told about this couple in the Bible. Romans chapter 16, greet Priscilla and Aquila, and then Paul calls them this, my helpers in the Lord. Look at verse 4. The Bible said, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Boy, that sounds a lot like Paul. He's ready to sacrifice himself for the cause of Christ. And Paul said, Aquila and Priscilla, man, they're just like me. In fact, they have almost laid down their own lives for me, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the gents. Sounds like to me, we got, we got birds of a feather here. Look at this verse here over in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord. With the church, where's it at? They done started the church in their house. Boy, it sounds a lot like Paul, don't it? I mean, they were interested in starting churches. Let me say it like this. Aquila and Priscilla were sweet-spirited, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing kind of people. And let me just say this. When you get down and you feel like you want to hang it up and throw in the towel, what you need to do is surround yourself with some people who love the Lord and love the Bible and love the house of God because the Bible said in Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpeneth iron. Brother, get around that crowd that's in love with Jesus. Get around that crowd that's faithful. Get around that crowd that pays their tithe. Get around that crowd that goes soul winning. Get around that crowd that crawls on the bus. Get around that people that loves God because that crowd will help you to hang on. Wouldn't you feel like hanging up? Birds of a feather. You get around that colonel crowd you get around that critical crowd. You get around that cynical crowd. You get around that skeptical crowd. It's not going to be long till that cold rubs off on you and you get cold. You get around that skeptical crowd, that critical crowd, that criticism is going to rub off on you. But by the same token, you get around with that crowd that loves Jesus. You get around that crowd that loves the house of God. You get around that crowd that loves the Bible. Somehow, another, that'll rub off on you. I'm just saying, number one, surround yourself with the right kind of people. Hey, can I give you some good advice? Be careful who you hang around with, even at church. I mean, if all that crowd wants to do is criticize, I mean, they'd be mad tonight if I said Jesus was going to show up here and show slides on heaven, and they got mad about that. I don't see why he's got to have Jesus. Get away from them. That's not the crowd you want to surround yourself with. But I've done made up my mind. Life's too short to be critical all the time. Life's too short to be negative. God's been, they sang it a moment ago, God's been too good. Hey, God's been too gracious. God's been too kind to, for you, toward me and you, for us to walk around being negative about everything. Seek out friends. First thing he did, got around some godly people. I challenge you tonight, get around some people that love the Lord. Hey, make that your crowd that you go out and eat with. Make that your crowd y'all get together and make homemade ice cream with. Make that your crowd you go on vacation with. Hey, don't, don't love them, pray for them, but unto God, stay away from that crowd that's going to drag you down spiritually. Seek out friends. Number two, 
Want to hang it up? Why don't you do this? Seek out friends. Number two, stick to basics. Stick to basics. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, let me tell you, let me show you what Paul did. So here he comes in the city of Corinth, wickedness oozing up out like a sewage, a cesspool in this city, ungodliness abounding on every side. But if you'll look there at verse number four, the first thing that Paul did was he went to church. So I would say, number one, the basics of the Christian life. Basically two things. Number one, stick to worshiping. Keep on going to church. The Bible said in verse 4, he reasoned in the synagogue. So he joined himself to a synagogue. Now, I want to tell you something. We were already, back in chapter 17, we read about how that was Paul's custom. Look back into chapter 17. Let me just read this to you. And look at verse 2. The Bible said, as his manner was, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the Scripture. So the Bible said that it was just the custom of his life. It was just the manner of his life to attend the synagogue services. Can I tell you something tonight? If there's one thing that will help you to beat burnout, if there's one thing that will help you to defeat discouragement, if there's one thing that will help you to fight frustration, it's a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost worship service in the house of God. Now, I'm not saying that's what went on in those synagogue services in Paul's day, but I'll tell you it was the closest thing they had to it. Listen, the one thing that will help you and me to keep on hanging on when you want to hang it up, if you'll just locate yourself in the house of God, because too many times when life starts to unravel and the hard times come, the first thing we drop off of our list of things to do is worship at the house of God. But buddy, I want to tell you something. Let it be your habit. Let it be your custom. Let it be your, the manner of life. Hey, why don't you just keep on showing up at the house of God? Because when you quit church, you're playing right into the hands of the devil. Stick to basics. Keep on worship. The devil loves when people quit attending church. I guarantee you, if there's anybody in this room sitting right here tonight and you have quit church, and this is the first time today you've been back in church in a long time, can I ask you, have things got better or got worse in your life? I'm going to be bold enough I'm going to be brazen enough just to ask you tonight, hey, did it get better when you quit church? Or has it gotten worse since you quit church? I guarantee you if they're truthful tonight, if anybody in here is in that boat, and if you'd stand up tonight, I guarantee you people would say, preacher, as far as I'm concerned, one of the worst things I ever did was quit worshiping at the house of God. Let me tell you something. What a good hot bath will do for your outside. A good old-fashioned Holy Ghost-filled service in the house of God will do for your inside. Amen. 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 Don't you quit worshiping. Amen. Hey, don't throw in the towel. Don't, don't hang up on the church, friend. I think the devil sits back and applauds any time when somebody stops attending the house of God. But let me just remind you, worship will still put a song in your heart. Worship will still put a spring in your step. Worship will still put a smile on your face. Worship will still put a sparkle in your eye. Hey, worship will help you to hang on when you want to hang up. Amen. He kept on worshiping. But if you look in our text, he kept on witnessing. Look again at our text, verse 18, chapter 18. The Bible said in verse 5 that Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus 
was Christ. That word pressed in the Spirit means he was compelled in the Spirit. I mean, there was Paul. There was all this wickedness about it on every side. But I'll tell you one thing. He wasn't going to quit. He was not going to quit telling people about Jesus. And I'll just tell you something that will keep your fire lit when it's, when it's going down. If you can find somebody and tell them about Jesus. So I said, number one, hey, seek out friends. Number two, stick to basics. And then number three, and this is my favorite one. When you want to hang it up, how do you hang on? Look at number three. Stand on promises. Now, if you look in our text, I think Paul was in trouble because here's another one of those midnight messages in the book of Acts in verse 9. And the Lord then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. I don't know if Paul, I don't know if this is what happened. Maybe Paul just said, I'm done, I'm finished. Athens was a failure. Corinth is no better. Maybe I've started my last church. Maybe it's time to go back home. Maybe Paul laid down that night and said, I am done. And about that time when he dozed off to sleep, the Lord tapped him on the shoulder and said, Paul, hey, Saul, Paul, I got, I got a message for you. Watch this. Look at these promises. First of all, look at verse 9. We have the promise of his presence. Look at verse 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul of the night by vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. Read these next five words with me. For I am with thee. You're not by yourself. You never have been by yourself. You never will. If you're a child of God, you're in Christ and Christ. In you, the hope of glory. He's there with you. Even when it looks overwhelming. Even when it looks like you want to throw in the towel. Even when it looks like wickedness is going to ultimately win out. I'm here to tell you, we're not by ourselves. We're not on the losing side. We're on the winning side. Because God said, no matter what else happens, Silas can be there or not be there. Timotheus can be there or not be there. Aquila and Priscilla might have to move on. But Paul, I want to tell you, there's 700,000 people here. But you're not by yourself, son. I am with thee. We got his presence. Others may walk out, but he'll come walking in. Others may leave you, but he'll never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you're going through, the Lord is there, the promise of his presence. Look again at verse 10. We have the promise of his protection. Look again at verse 10. For I'm with thee, and he continues on. Paul, don't, don't, you're not by yourself here. I'm with you. And then look at verse 10. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. In other words, he had not only the promise of God's presence, but he's got the promise of God's protection. Paul was greatly outnumbered in the city of Corinth. The devil, along with his demons, had control over the whole place. Paul said, uh, Jesus says to Paul, the devil may be controlling them, but son, I'm controlling the devil that controls them. And son, I'm in charge. And I just want to tell you, they're not going to hurt you. I remember Brother J.T. telling us all them stories when he was over in Africa. And that, that, that bunch of, uh, uh, I, boy, I hate to call them savages. So let me be politically correct. That bunch of savages over there, 
You remember them stories he used to tell? Miss Janet's here tonight. And them stories when those, those headhunters and cannibals would surround the hut where they would live and be beating the drums. And I can see that dear old man of God standing right here and say this. It was black as a thousand midnights. Can you not hear him say that still? But he said, you know something? I wasn't afraid because I knew I belonged to God. And God was not going to let those people hurt me unless they had God's permission to hurt me. Hey, I want to tell you something, friend. We are indestructible until God gets through with us. You can shoot me with a 38 if you want to, but if God ain't through with me, you better look out. I'll be back. You can run over me with a car if you want to, but if God's not done with me yet, look out. I'll be back in the pulpit again some of these days. Yes, sir. Hey, you can do whatever you want to do with us as God's people, but you hear me and hear me well. There's no man going to hurt us unless God said it's time. You can go now. Protection. And then what about this, my favorite one, the promise of his presence, the promise of his protection. But what about this, the promise of his potential? Look at the last phrase of verse 11. For I have much people in this city. Now, wait a minute. All we know has got saved so far is Crispus and his house and some of those Corinthians hearing believed. That's all we know about. But God said, Paul, look, man, don't quit. If you'll hang on even though you feel like hanging it up. I just want to tell you something. There's a lot of folks around here that's going to get saved. There's a lot of people that's going to believe that message. There's a lot of people that's going to receive the Savior if you don't quit. So you've got to hang in here. And by the way, you say, preacher, did it work? Well, we have two books in our Bible called First and Second Corinthians. So evidently, it worked. Brother Eddie, don't you get, don't quit. There's folks where our truck stop's going to get saved. Don't quit. Hey, you boys is running to the rest home every week and preaching. Hey, don't quit because I'm here to tell you, there's some folks in there that's going to get saved. You that's preaching in the jails and the, and the, uh, and the, uh, uh, the uh, rescue mission downtown. Hey, keep on preaching. You know why? There's some folks down there that's going to get saved. Hey, you that's running your bus and you feel like your numbers are down. Look, low numbers are better than... Low numbers are better than... Low numbers are better than... I'm here to tell you, keep on working. Guess what? God said there's a lot of folks around here that's going to ride if you'll hang on instead of hanging up. I got a lot of people in this city. And I tell you, I, I still believe I've been here 20... What have I been here now? I've been here for 96,414 years. But I tell you what I do believe. I believe there's still a lot of folks around here that's going to come. I say this. I said it before. I'll say it again. There's going to be folks around here that's going to come hunting what we've got around here. So we just got to stand on the promises of God and hang on, even if you want to hang it up. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, help us tonight.